This is Unfilter, episode 296, for March 27th, 2020. Hi, everyone. I'm Elaine Quijano. We want to take you now to the White House, where that massive $2 trillion coronavirus relief bill has reached President Trump's desk. Let's listen in. Now, I'm going to sign this, and it's a great honor. $6.2 trillion. I've never signed anything with a T on it. I don't know if I can handle this one much. We can't chicken out at this point. I don't think so, huh? All right. Thank you all. But I wanted that to be a nice signature. Welcome to Unfilter, your frequent corona-cracking cast that's just learned how easy it is to spend $2 trillion. My name is Chris. Welcome in. What a week it's been. Following the news, developing hour by hour, clipping and then re-clipping, preparing for this show. Well, this evening, President Trump just signed what amounts to an over $6 trillion rescue package, not a stimulus package. But I'll get to that. Of course, you know me. I always got my opinions on things, so I'll share those with you. We have a couple of housekeeping items that I'll just jump into right before we get started. This hopefully, of course, sometimes I get on something, but this should be a nice, tight, packed episode. So we're getting really close to episode 300. It's got me thinking. I'm going to try doing just two episodes next week. The data kind of suggests that maybe... More than that's too frequent for everyone to keep up, so expect two episodes in your feed next week. But you can give me feedback on the Discord, because I set up a Discord server on filter.show slash Discord. <laughs> I'll say that again, because I'd love to have you there. Unfilter.show slash Discord. I'm working toward a live episode for 300. I started to set up the live page, twitch.tv slash unfilter. Also, unfilter.show slash live will be the main official page. Unfilter.show slash live for episode 300. It's 296 right now, so it's really close. And of course, unfilter.show slash discord. Come hang out with us. You might just see a Wild Chase and producer Matt hanging out in that Discord. Just come in and say hi. There's lots of channels in there. I've got a soundboard suggestions channel, as well as clips, news, discussion, and a channel dedicated to live chat. When we're just hanging out doing the live thing, there'll be a chat in there. But let's get in to the coronavirus. Monday marks the end of the administration's 15-day slow the spread initiative. Of course, that is next Monday that she's referring to. President Trump has said he wants to start sending some Americans back to work, but not all governors agree. This has been a contentious point for the entire week. Trump, since Monday, positioning that he wants to turn things around, and then the media and governors and others, like doctors, pushing back. Paula Reed reports from the White House. 
We have to go back. This is the United States of America. On Thursday, President Trump deflected blame for a historic surge in unemployment. Well, it's uh, nobody's fault, certainly not in this country. And revealed new details about how he plans to encourage state and local leaders to reopen businesses. In a letter to state governors, he said the White House plans to categorize every county in America as high, medium, or low risk. Ah, did you catch this? So this is the new plan, everybody. You're either going to be high or medium or low risk, and then that'll be what people use as a metric to ter- to, decide, to decide if they can turn the economy back on. Well, you see, you're a high risk, so um, you can't turn your economy back on. That's what's going to happen here. I was turned away from shops trying to get my RV repaired because I was from a, quote, high-risk area before they've even given them official federal levels, uh, labels. Plans to categorize every county in America as high, medium, or low risk. We may take large sections of our country that aren't so seriously affected, and we may do it that way, but... Uh, We've got to start the process pretty soon. But one of his top coronavirus experts, Dr. Deborah Burks, says counties should not resume normal life until there is more data from expanded testing. This will be critical for our future as we work together to really understand where the virus is and where it isn't in real time. And so hopefully if they truly do use a data driven approach, maybe that could work. But it seems like as as this thing just moves around, as it works its way through the populace, different areas will just light up. They'll just light up. I've been finding these press conferences informative, but they've had a really, really annoying downside as far as Rachel Meadows and CNN is concerned. And, of course, MSNBC. And that is they seem to be helping Trump's approval ratings. So uh, probably best to just get these press conferences off the air. We're still waiting for a briefing from President Trump and the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Initially, the media had been complaining about a lack of those very briefings, but now they almost, they're almost a daily presence in our lives. But momentum is building to stop airing these briefings. The New York Times with this headline, quote, Trump's briefings are a ratings hit. Should networks cover them live? And some in the media say we shouldn't show them at all. If it were up to me, and it's not, I would stop putting those briefings on live TV. Not out of spite, but because it's misinformation. All these briefings are substitutes for the rallies. There's no question there. It's his outlet. It's his ability to command the stage. He knows he can dominate the newscast. There's also uh, Trump using this as a political platform to promote the messages that he is not able to promote at rallies because he can't hold rallies right now. Is that true? Maybe a little. He gets his he gets his jabs in. He gets his jokes in. You know, he's got to be a comedian up there. So maybe a little bit of that, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I think he's very intentionally put this entire group together with Pence at the head. So that way, if this thing goes south, he's got an out. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of savvy in that regard. And so they actually did stop airing them for a day, I believe. Um, But then the ratings went down. And Fox News kept airing them, and Fox News' ratings went up, and so it didn't last very long. <laughs> they decided to put them back on the air. Now, let's talk about something else that's been a real contention point, is this timeline of how soon can the economy get started again? I talked about last episode, you start handing out money, doesn't do a lot of good if no one is feeling safe enough to go out and actually spend it. 
saying that we should wait for the data to decide whether or not to start pulling back on some of these recommendations and maybe allowing people to go back to work. I've been looking at the data. I know you have as well. It seems pretty clear that the numbers are not only increasing but accelerating in places that had no cases right. or very few cases last week are now in the thousands. So why, why raise the idea that a pullback is even close, Dr. Fauci? Well, I think that the president was trying to do, he was making an aspirational uh, projection to give people some hope. But he's listening to us when we say we really got to reevaluate it in real time. And any decision we make has to be based on the data. I mean, you know, the numbers that you showed when you have a situation when the cases today compared to tomorrow is increased dramatically and then the next day is increased dramatically. That's no time to pull back. That's when you got to hunker down, nail down, mitigate, 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 get the people taken care of. That's what you got to concentrate on. You have to go with the data. So that's essentially what will happen. It's how both both officials saying we're going to go with the data. We're going to go with the data. Well, I was watching these press conferences and I know I should get off this, but it's just they're so bizarre. This is something you got to understand. When we were doing Unfilter, you had Spicy Sean. They were doing press briefings. But after Sarah Sanders, they just kind of stopped. The, the Trump administration stopped doing the daily press briefing thing. And now all of a sudden we're doing daily press briefings and it's Trump and his gang up there. And there is a really weird moment where Trump talks about naval ships. And, uh, well, I'll just play it for you. I can now announce something that I think is incredible, what they've done in the Navy. Uh, because the incredible naval hospital ship, the USNS Comfort which is incredible, actually, when you see it inside, will be underway to New York City on Saturday. So it's going to be leaving on Saturday rather than three weeks from now. They uh, did the maintenance quickly, and it was going to be there for quite a while longer, another three or four weeks, and uh, it should be arriving. I told the governor 20 minutes ago, Governor Cuomo, that the ship will be arriving at New York Harbor. So far... So good, a little rambly, but then it starts getting even weirder. On Monday, I think I'm going to go out and uh, I'll kiss it goodbye. I'll go. Uh, what? What? I'm going to go out and uh, I'll kiss it goodbye. I no. just can't. No, no, it doesn't have to get weird like this. It doesn't. He's trying to prompt the media. This is what he's doing, and this is why it's so awkward is he's trying to prompt the media to go there so he can have a fantastic photo op. I think I'm going to go out and uh, I'll kiss it goodbye. I'll go I'll go to, uh, it's in Virginia, as you know, and I will go and uh, we'll be waving together because I suspect the media will be following. John, are you going to be following? Maybe. You never know, huh? It's a very important vessel. Great ship. It's a great vessel, is right. So uh, if you want to go, I'll see you there. And if you don't, that's okay. I do whine because I want to win. Like, that sounds like me talking about a meetup, right? Hey, you know, we're going to do a meetup. And if you want to go, that's awesome. But if you don't want to go, no big deal. Right. So uh, if you want to go, I'll see you there. And if you don't, that's okay. <laughs> that's the president at a press conference. It's weird. It's really weird. So let's actually have some substance to this weird clip. Here's a little information about that ship. I'm Trinity Chavez reporting in New York, where the Navy hospital ship Comfort is expected to arrive on Monday. The main body will arrive at Joint Base McGuire 
Dix, Lakehurst tomorrow. They will set up at the Javits Center this weekend, and they will be operational for non-COVID patients beginning Monday. I remind you, that's the trick here. These aren't Corona boats. These are relief for the regular hospital cases that can't be addressed because of the overload from COVID-19. So they will send the standard issue hospital problems to the boats. President Trump traveling to Norfolk, Virginia, to send off the 1,000-bed vessel to America's biggest city, all in an effort to help hospitals deal with the drastic influx of patients as New York remains the epicenter of the outbreak. So the, the idea here with the Corps of Engineers, with FEMA, um, and with the uh, state and local officials is to work in collaboration so that we can provide skilled medical professionals um, to take some pressure off the local and state health care system um, with, our, with our Army professionals. That's, uh, let's see, Lieutenant Charles Flynn, who is um, part of the U.S. Army Operations and Plans. Lieutenant General, sorry. <clears throat> and um, that's a fascinating use of those boats. The beautiful boats, big boats, the best boats, the boats that need kisses. There's there's um, a great photo opportunity out there, folks. Just come take pictures of me. But if you don't want to come, no big deal. But those of you that want to come, happy to have you. <laughs> uh, except for Boris Johnson. He's he's no longer invited. President Trump's top allies, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, announced this morning that he has tested positive for the coronavirus. He's now in self-isolation at his London residence. Did you catch the weird thing about this clip? I'm going to just pause it right there. So Boris Johnson has mild symptoms. He's self-isolated. He's released a selfie video if you'd like to go watch it. But I'm going to play the beginning of this clip. Listen to the very beginning. They lead with something that just is totally irrelevant, doesn't need to be in this at all. It could just have been left alone and they could just give you the information. Listen for it at the very, very beginning of the clip. Trump's top allies, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. President Trump's top, top ally. That's that's how Boris Johnson gets introduced. That's the, what really that's the lead. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. You don't lead with the fact that he's the British prime minister. <laughs> I just hit my mic. I'm my hands are flailing in frustration. He's the British prime minister and they lead with President Trump's top ally. That's the context you get. I know it's it's just it's a small thing. But it's such a typical example of how the media frames everything around Trump. President Trump's top allies, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, announced this morning that he has tested positive for the coronavirus. He's now in self-isolation at his London residence, that's 10 Downing Street, and he's still running the British government. Johnson last met Queen Elizabeth on March 11th. Buckingham Palace says she remains in good health. Whew, at least the Queen's okay. Now, there's a weirdness to this because Michael Gove, I think, or Gove, looks like Glove to me. He had to take over the news conferences now because obviously Boris couldn't be there. Welcome, everyone, to the government's daily briefing. I'm joined today by the chief executive of the NHS, Simon Stevens, and the deputy chief medical officer, Jenny Harris. I'd like to update you all on the facts uh, on the spread of COVID-19. It's not the same as a Trump press conference. It's just not the same. Let me Let me tell you that. It's not going to be the same for my kids either. Um, they haven't got it. Thankfully, I'm very grateful that no one in my immediate family or extended family seems to have contracted it, as far as I can tell. But for my kids, they now begin the process of trying to learn from home. And the school is using really clumsy tools. They didn't 
they didn't take lessons learned from the homeschooling community, which there is a vibrant one here in Washington state. Instead, they thought, well, here's what we'll do. We'll send a laptop to every family and we'll set them up with Zoom and Google learning platforms. And um, that's it. That's their solution. Of course, I have three kids. They send one laptop. I'm going to just have the kids use their existing computers. Uh, hopefully, there's no specific hardware requirements for that one laptop. And um, then they have Zoom calls where everyone on the call struggles to get their basic tech working because none of them know how to do it. And some of them are literally just the children. The parents are nowhere around. And this is the school's solution here in Washington State. Virtual violin lessons, one of millions of classes now happening online. You should always feel rather comfy and balanced in the boat to be able to open your arm and conduct a bow around on the strings. Yes. Eight-year-old Despina Wright is taking instruction via Skype after her school closed. Her teacher, Balint Pajesi, is keen not to lose touch with his 24 students. Even if he can't be there, he can still help build their confidence. And in this mad rush to get the children working online, they have to just kind of forego things like fully understanding privacy policies and the full implications giving children on things like Zoom and Google services. They have to just kind of push forward. Those still trying to work from home. Most schools are providing lessons online but there is concern that not all children have equal access to computers and the Internet. This is very true. In fact, I saw a story about one school district in a state that is parking buses strategically in neighborhoods because at nighttime, I should say, after school, because the buses have Wi-Fi on board and they crank up the broadcast and they park them in the neighborhood. And then families that don't have Internet at home can connect to the bus's access point. I don't know how much that scales, but that's a very creative solution to that problem. But it doesn't seem like returning to normal by April, by Easter, is very likely. Maybe you could start warming up parts of the economy again. But uh, if you're not going to take it from me, maybe you'll take it from Bill Gates. Yeah. Yeah, I said Bill Gates. Yeah, he's been like a go-to resource recently. Ever since somebody realized five years ago or four years ago, he did a TED Talk where he said this kind of thing would happen. Now Bill Gates is the go-to expert, and here he was on a CNN panel. So even because folks look, people who want sort of county by county or say, you know, let's get back online faster, say, well, look, in some states there's less than 200 cases. In many states there's less than than 200 cases right now. You're saying even in those states uh, the same kind of – Shutdown needs to occur. Oh, my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper, everybody. Well, let's say you have 100 cases and let's say you don't do a shutdown. Then it grows 33 percent per day. So you take 100, you get 1,000, you get 10,000. It's exponential growth. If you're not stopping it, they, hmm. you, the sooner you in, engage in the shutdown, the easier it is to get to that peak. We have we have not peaked, uh, you know, the parts of the country that aren't shut down by the in late April. We should start to see the numbers peak there. They'll still be too high to open up. So you'll probably have to go another month to really get those numbers down. But any part of the country that has cases and, and truthfully, because of our uh, problems with testing, because uh, we're not prioritizing testing the right way. 
that a lot of those places actually do have cases. But even if they have the hundred, that will grow uh, and people do cross county boundaries. And so basically the whole country needs to do what uh, was done in the part of China where they had these infections. We may need some faith healers. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. Now they're, now they're shifting to a W recovery. See, the word used to be it'd be a V recovery, a sharp decline and then a sharp up. And now they think what's going to happen is a sharp decline, slight bounce because of the money coming in, and then a decline again because people still have to be locked down, and then eventually after that, a bounce. Which all of that would be devastated, of course, if COVID then popped back up in the fall. So let's talk about that big stimulus bill, which I think should actually be called a rescue bill or a bridge bill, but we'll get there. Let's just start with the tensions that were building before it passed the House. All eyes now on the House this morning, where Kentucky Republican Congressman Thomas Massey could sidetrack what could be a voice vote on the Senate relief bill. Some lawmakers have slammed it for too much wasteful spending, but Speaker Nancy Pelosi insists the bill is focused on fighting coronavirus and its economic fallout. Understand this about this. It's really important to know this. This is all about the coronavirus. It's not about anything else. It's about the coronavirus. Yeah, now it is. <laughs> not the early drafts, were they, Nancy? But AOC, she's not happy. She blasts the shameful stimulus bill. Guys, for one minute. Thank you, Mr. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and, and thank you to our um, majority leader. I represent one of the hardest hit communities in the hardest hit city in this country, Queens, New York. Thirteen dead. In a night in Elmhurst Hospital alone, our community's reality is this country's future if we don't do anything. Hospital workers do not have protective equipment. We don't have the necessary ventilators. And But we have to go into this vote eyes wide open. What did the Senate majority fight for? One of the largest corporate bailouts with as few strings as possible in American history. Shameful. The greed of that fight is wrong for crumbs for our families. And the option that we have is to either let them suffer with nothing or to allow this greed and billions of dollars, which will be leveraged into trillions of dollars to contribute to the largest income inequality gap in our future. Yeah, there's that. There's that. We're going to get there. You're jumping ahead there, AOC. First, the House had to pat themselves on their own back before they could pass this thing. So everybody got a chance to go up to the microphone and talk about how great each other are. It is the largest assistant measure in American history. And it is going directly in the pockets of hardworking taxpayers, uh -huh. their families and small businesses. Right. Okay. All right. But you can do better than that, right, Nancy? Pelosi of California. So Nancy steps up. They have, uh, like a big old roll of disinfectant wipes. And she steps up to the microphone and she goes, I wish you could find this clip. I don't have a link to it. She goes all up on that mic. She gets up on that windscreen and wipes that sucker. But as she does it, <laughs> she grabs the microphone where everybody grabs to adjust it with her other hand before she's wiped it to steady the microphone. <laughs> so she completely nullifies the point of wiping this thing down, but she makes a big scene of wiping it down. So we are... We are waiting for her to wipe down the microphone. Pelosi of California. The Speaker of the House is recognized. <laughs> thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I thank the distinguished Democratic leader, Mr. Hoyer, for yielding 
and for the manner in which he has enabled so many of our members to participate in this debate today. I'm great. You're great. We're all great. We're great. We love everybody. Thank you, Mr. Hoyer, for your leadership on the legislation and also for leading us today. And I thank Mr. Brady for his leadership as well uh, for facilitating this conversation. And I thank you, Mr. Speaker, uh, for keeping us reasonably uh, on time as much as possible for congressional members. Happy birthday! Isn't this nice? It's also Nancy's birthday today. It's her birthday. Isn't that great? Yeah, man. I am so excited for Nancy. Oh, what's that? Chris Fisher, for $1 million, how old did Nancy Pelosi just turn? Option A, 65 years old. Option B, 72 years old. Option C, 84 years old. Option D, 80 years old. I don't know. I don't know. Jeez. Hmm. Well, she looks young and spry. And of course, she's in a great position of power and authority. So she probably has to be fairly young and energetic. So, okay, I think I have a final answer. Let's see. I'm going to go D, 80 years old. Final answer. Mr. Fisher, you just won a million dollars. That's right. Yes. Congratulations to me. I guess I just won. That's see, that's how you make money now. You just print it out of nowhere. Yeah, she turned 80 years old. Just a real go-getter, and uh, they're all patting each other on the back. Everything's going pretty good, even having a few laughs during this big moment. We will pass this bill today. I want to thank the majority leader. Wait, 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 wait. What? Wait. Now, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> because you're the majority lever, lever. <laughs> you're the majority leader there. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> what? We will pass this bill today. I want to thank the majority leader. Oh, they're all really doing good. Excuse me, the minority. I'm the majority leader, right? (laughs) (laughs) You can't have it. (laughs) (laughs) Cracking jokes, but we got to get serious. This is a historical moment. And while we while we enjoy a little levity, we understand the gravity of this situation. There you go. You turned it back around. People will die today as a result of this virus. Whoa, too far, too far, too far, way too far. So then there was, as you heard earlier, Congressman Thomas Massey trying to make a stink, and he made one last go right before they're about to pass this $2 trillion bill. Gentlemen, yields back the balance of this time. All time for debate has expired. Pursuant to House Resolution 911, the previous question is ordered on the motion. The question is on adoption of the motion. Those in favor say aye. aye. Those opposed say no. The oh, geez, that was that was weak. In favor say aye. aye. Those opposed say no. The ayes have Mr. it. Mr. Speaker. For what purposes, gentlemen, uh, seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, I came here to make sure our republic doesn't die by unanimous consent in an empty chamber. This is Thomas Massey. He's attempted one last time to at least get people on the record. He made it so that they couldn't do a voice vote. They had to actually be there. <laughs> He's getting scowled at 
I mean, scowled at by everybody in the room. Speaker, I came here to make sure our republic doesn't die by unanimous consent in an empty chamber, and I request a recorded vote. All right, so now for a recorded vote to pass, everybody has to raise their hand if they're cool with that. Recorded vote is requested. Those favoring a recorded vote will rise and remain standing until counted. Uh-huh. Nobody stands. Nobody raises their hand. An insufficient number having risen. That was quick. Recorded vote is refused. Mr. Speaker. Does the gentleman recognize? I object on the basis that a quorum is not present and make a point of order that a quorum is not present. The chair will count for a quorum. Zoom. Counted for a quorum. A quorum is present. The motion <laughs> is adopted. There it is. And that's how you spend $2 trillion. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Pursuant to Section 7B of House Resolution 891, the House stands adjourned until 3 p.m. on Tuesday, March 31st, 2020. Yeah. So you can uh, you can write a $2 trillion bill and you just pass it with a voice vote right there. That's it. There's no signatures. There's there's no signatures. It's you just heard them write a check for two trillion dollars. But when you combine what the Fed and the Treasury are going to do, it's really six point two trillion dollars. And it's not a stimulus bill. This is just going to pay people's wages for a bit. If you don't believe me, ask your good buddy Chuck Sleepy Sleepy Eyes Todd. <laughs> I heard you call it a stimulus bill. I've called it that by accident sometimes. I don't think this is the definition of a stimulus. It really is a rescue bill, right? We are, we're not paying people to stimulate the economy. We're actually paying people not to stimulate the economy, right? Yeah. We're paying people to shelter, to basically shelter at home is what he wanted to say right there. He is, um, on a remote link with a Seattle affiliate. That's where I got this clip. So this is, um, Probably not widely circulated because this was, like I said, something that was just local to the Seattle area. And I never really paid much attention to Chuck Todd because, uh, honestly, he seems a bit of a wet blanket. But I can't argue with that here. He's right. We're actually paying people not to stimulate the economy, right? We're paying people to to basically get through the next month. The unknown to me is what do we do about the month of May? This bill, as large as it is, when you think about the direct payments, all we're doing is helping people get through April. God bless it, right? They're going to hopefully, this helps some people get through April. What about May? And then after that, we may say, what about June? And then at some point, we're going to need a real stimulus to encourage people to travel or to go out to get the economy going again when it is safe to do that. So if you think about it, this $2 trillion rescue plan as large as it is and as record-breaking as it is it ain't going to be the last thing yeah oh uh-huh so it did hit trump's desk shortly after that and of course he signed it now i'm going to sign this and it's a great honor 6.2 tri- trillion dollars i've never signed anything with a t on it i don't know if i can handle this one Mitch. we can't chicken out at this point i don't think so huh All right. Thank you all. Good. I wanted that to be a nice signature. What a moment. 
I think that's going to look back. We're going to look back at that moment as either the um, noose that ends up around America's neck or the thing that saved us. Either way, it was a very historical moment. $6.2 trillion rescue package, and it's just the beginning. Let's talk about how U.S. citizens will get that money yourselves. That You might be, be um, interested in the actual uh, mechanics of that. Congress just passed a $2 trillion rescue plan to tackle the economic pain the coronavirus is inflicting on the country. This means many of you will get money directly from the government. Here's how that will work. Most adults will get up to $1,200. For every child 16 or under, you will get another $500. If you're single, have a social security number and are a U.S. resident with an adjusted gross income of $75,000 or less, you should get the full amount. If you're a married couple with no children earning $150,000 or less, you'll receive a total of $2,400. If you're filing as a head of household, you can get the full payment if you earn $112,500 or less. For now, this is a one-time payment, but depending how long the coronavirus measures stay in place, there could be more payments on the way. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin says people should receive their checks in about three weeks. So it will likely take longer for Americans to get their checks. Back in 2008, when Congress also sent money to Americans, it took almost two months for it to arrive. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. Maybe they got a system now. But it's not just the good old United States. In fact, the G20 nations are pledging $5 trillion in their various local economies either by central bank stimulation or other methods, to help spur growth. Ryan, G20 leaders uh, conferenced earlier today, and uh, the result of that, which President Trump is talking about now at the briefing at the White House, uh, is a pledge of $5 trillion by these countries to help shore up businesses that are affected by the global pandemic. Much of this will go through the IMF and the World Bank. A press release that was put out by the G20 just a few moments ago says that this money will go to protect workers and businesses, especially micro small and medium-sized businesses and the sectors most affected and to shield the vulnerable through adequate social protection. You know, let's talk about the businesses part of that. There's a certain breed of startups that are completely shut out of this, and I think it could hit the tech sector particularly hard. You'll see why. Small businesses might not get government funding if they've already taken venture capital or private equity money. So-called affiliation rules from the Small Business Administration could prevent startups from getting loans as a part of that stimulus package. According to SBA rules, the startups should be affiliated with their investors. For example, if a VC-backed company has 30 employees, it's grouped in potentially with thousands of other employees at fellow portfolio companies. The SBA and Treasury could make an exception and issue guidance even though the bill was passed. Venture capital groups are certainly lobbying for that. <laughs> I bet. I bet they are. And let's not forget there's this other component besides the shutdown and the coronavirus. There's this other component that's making the economy topsy-turvy, and that's oil. And I joked that it seems like Trump could clear this up with a phone call. Um, maybe that's true. Steve, I mean, the U.S. president just a couple of days ago hinted at the possibility where he might get involved or the U.S. government might get involved. But clearly it's happening a lot sooner than many would have expected. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, you know, there are dire, it's a dire situation in the United States for uh, shale producers. Uh, they can't uh, cope with this low level uh, of oil, and that's obviously putting some strain on the administration. Uh, Trump depends on the Texas state 
um, those voters, this election coming up, he wants to keep them happy. And um, if there are any bankruptcies, if you see a lot of job loss from uh, the oil and gas sector, uh, that would fall on what he thinks would be him. I do whine because I want to win. Yeah, it's probably as cynical as that. Because it's going to affect the election, they'll take action. Jim Cramer, Mr. Mad Money over there at uh, CNBC, thinks that um, oil could go below $20 per barrel, which that would be insane. I'd love to see a, I'd love to see some sort of betting on that. Uh, I'm keying on oil. Uh, I think oil takes out 20. I think that oil is something that uh, the, the algos are keying on. I wish that there weren't such thing as algorithmic trading, David, but you know, it's here to stay. I- he, his point right there with the algos, because I followed his logic on this earlier in before this clip, his point is that automatic trading is kicking in based on indicators in the oil market, which then causes spiraling effect on other aspects of the economy and the price of oil. I love Lee, Lee Cooper, and he's talking about the uptick rule. It's almost quaint. Uh, the quants are in charge. Yeah, it is the quants. It is. The quants, yes. you, you know, let's bring back the, the uh, Smith Corona typewriter. Uh, the quants are in charge. They took it up, and, and now David, they're going to cash. Yeah, you know, they're going to cashier, cashier the market, and cash yeah. it in. Let's come back to oil for a second because it does get lost sometimes in all uh, of the volatility we're seeing, and our focus, of course, on the economic crisis, on the health crisis, and on the equity markets. Uh, but Jim, you just said you think oil's going to go to twenty or below. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, there's. Uh, <laughs> We uh, we're pumping 13 million. There's no place to put it, David. Now, the the uh, people, the storage people have actually held back a little space because they think that oil could go down to five dollars. I don't know if that's actually possible. But yesterday, the most. Excuse me. Yeah. No, there's some people who think it's going to go to five. (laughs) That's I mean, that would be really something. I think we'd all be driving around and commuting in RVs. (laughs) The most important interview we had yesterday was Scott Sheffield uh, from Pioneer with Brian Sullivan where he's just talking about a handful of oil companies making it. Uh, wow. Wouldn't that be something? If this ends up in some massive consolidation, I could see it. So you're probably wondering, last week I mentioned that Bernie Sanders was potentially going to hold up the bill in the Senate based on this little fight over unemployment rates, where for a few months, actually, you know what? Instead of me explaining it to you, I'll let Bernie explain it to you. Then we'll get to this. Um. Mr. President, let me be very honest and tell you that there is much in this bill, and we have not yet seen the printout yet, uh, that I am concerned about. I am especially concerned uh, that the administration will be able to expend $500 billion uh, in virtually any way they want, any corporation they want, uh, with virtually no strings attached. At some point, and maybe you'll help remind me, audience, in our Discord server, uh, we need to have a conversation about how this is going to impact the election. Because Trump is making real nice with the governors. Trump's making real nice with the U.S. public by cutting them checks. And now he's going to make real nice with any companies the administration decides with this $500 billion fund. That seems like a way to buy votes, too. At some point, we've got to talk about this. I There's so much I still have to process with this rescue bill. I, I really need to just take in a lot of information and think about it. Uh, 
it seems like a necessary evil. At the same time, you can't just create money from nowhere and not pay the repercussions for that. There is a Planet Money episode. I've recently mentioned them. I think they've been killing it during the coronavirus stuff. There is a recent Planet Money episode where they actually break down where the money is coming from, if you've been wondering that. And I didn't want to just clip the whole dang show. So I thought I should just refer you to it for that because they did a great job. I just I couldn't do any better. So I'll refer you to episode 200. No, 900. I'm sorry, guys. 985 of Planet Money episode 985. And I will put a link in the show notes. In fact, I will. I'll do that right now while I'm thinking about it. And of course, all of the show notes are at unfiltered.show slash 296. So episode 985 explains where the money comes from. And it's essentially two really large buckets is the short answer. Not all of it is printed, but a fair amount of it is just printed, made up money, funny money. They want uh, with virtually no strings attached. Uh, The American people at a time of massive income and wealth inequality do not want more corporate welfare. Uh, and they do not want policies which will allow corporations, in some cases, to receive loans or grants and then do stock buybacks to enrich their stockholders, uh, provide dividends, or or maybe raise the compensation benefits of their already wealthy CEOs. Now, this battle, this apparent showdown that was looming, didn't, didn't happen. It made it through the Senate, made it through the House, Trump signed it, and it is now actually law, as I said here. What a crazy evening to watch all of this. And to be this age means I will almost, without a doubt, be around to witness the repercussions. Many in the involved, like Nancy, and Chuck, and Trump, they might not be. Old Mitch McConnell probably won't be for sure, <laughs> but I will be. I hope I'm still doing the Unfilter show, too. Come join the conversation on filter.show slash discord. Expect two episodes next week and then episode 300 very soon and live. I'm setting up the plumbing right now at unfilter.show slash live. Should be a heck of a thing. I'd love to get your feedback, too. Do that there in the discord. Or if you don't have discord, you can hit me up. I'm at Chris Les on Twitter or at Chris Les on Telegram. Unfilter.show slash contact will send me an email. I actually don't have it wired up to respond right now. I can read them, but I cannot respond right now. So if you sent me an email and I haven't replied, it's because I don't have that wired up. But I will be responding in the Discord. So consider that. And then I, I hope to wire it all up with the live stream and all of that. Have it embedded at the live page. Make a whole production about it. Really looking forward to it. The Unfiltered Show is back, baby. Have a great weekend. And um, I'll let you know what I figure out regarding what's in this rescue package. I have a feeling there's a lot of details in there. A lot of information has still come out. I'll be processing that, linking that, aggregating that, and then sharing it with you. I hope you found this episode of The Unfiltered Show valuable. I hope... We can continue to have a level-headed, centrist conversation about these kinds of things. You and me in our Discord chat on filter.show slash Discord. Yeah, I plugged it again. And I'll see you right back here next week. 
time in my time. I do wine because I want to win. No, 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 no,